Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tinker Talks. I am your host, Mark Hybers. Tinker Talks is an audio format podcast that comes to you twice a month and discusses happenings behind the fence of one of the Air Force's largest bases. We're excited to have a conversation this week with a person who has been entrenched with the Air Force and Tinker Air Force Base for a very long time uh, and brings so much more to the day-to-day lives here than we could even talk about in this podcast. Uh, We're going to be talking to the Retiree Activities Office Director, Chief Master Sergeant Retired Lorraine Caddy. Ma'am, welcome to Tinker Talks. Good morning. Awesome. So um, our retirees are some of the most recurring faces you see on Tinker Air Force bases, but they're also under the radar when it comes to the amount of time they give back to this installation and the service decades, the decades (laughs) of service that they spent uh, given to their country already. Um, When it comes to, to time to hang up the boots, for many people, the service doesn't stop, though. The selfless devotion to duty in time of war and peace that affords us the liberties of today is kind of what they still fulfill, but also brings uh, the contribution or the continuation of support through the volunteering across this installation. It's such a, everybody sees these people, but it's so, so little talked about and so unknown. So uh, as the director of the Retiree Activities Office, Chief Caddy provides organization and guidance to every retiree, regardless of branch and service. So, uh, ma'am, we're excited to kind of dig into this little topic this morning. Um, so before we get cranking, uh, could you kind of just give us the, the 200 word or less introduction of <laughs> who you are and how you got to this point? Well, who I am is you've introduced by name, but I joined the Air Force in 1957, February of 1957. I actually wanted to join in June when I graduated from high school, but my father wanted me to stay through Christmas. And in those days, when a woman enlisted in the military who was under 21 years of age, you had to have three letters of reference. Wow. You had to have one from your parents approving your enlistment. Uh You had to have another from your minister or your priest. And you had to have another from a school teacher saying that you were an okay person to be in the Air Force. (laughs) So I thought I'd better do what my father wanted if I wanted him to sign the approval letter. Right. So I enlisted with absolutely no background with the military because my father was 4F in World War II. So it was kind of a new experience. But through the recruiters, I had a male recruiter and a female recruiter. Mm -hmm. And through the female recruiter, I got the truth. Through the male recruiter, I got enlisted (laughs) and got a bunch of baloney. But they were very helpful as far as, you know, what I could expect when I actually enlisted. Right. My background was in administration as far as high school was concerned. I Mm -hmm. was at the top of my class for that. So I tried to get into the administrative field when I was in basic and being tested. They gave a, at that time, they were still using the dit, 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 dot, 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 Mm -hmm. Morse code stuff. They gave a test to all of us for that. Well, I'm a musician in addition to what other things I do. Any musician who is not a moron could have passed that test and aced it, which I did. And they tried to make a radio operator out of me, and it took me going to a full colonel before I finally convinced the Air Force that they could better use me in administration, and that's where I've been throughout my career. I was very fortunate in my assignments that I was in a position where I could let people know what my talents were, and let's face it, in the Air Force, it's a whole lot of 
not necessarily what you know, but what you've done mm-hmm. and who you know right. as far as promotion is concerned. I was very blessed in the sense that I had assignments where I worked mostly with officers. And, of course, when the APRs come out and they're endorsed by generals and colonels and whatever, it all helps. I can't deny that. So in that, I was very fortunate. I was spent three years on an IG team. That was two years of enjoyment and one year of, oh, my God, when is this going to be over? <laughs> but <laughs> women in the Air Force then were a whole different scene than you see today. Right. So it's yeah, my career has been, I love the Air Force. Mm-hmm. I love what I'm doing now. And serving beyond my military enlistment has been very important to me. Awesome. Uh, and we're going to get into a couple of those things here pretty shortly. So, um, But before we do get into what you do as the director of the Retiree Activities Office, um, it, let, let's just, yeah, let's peel back that layer just a little bit. Can you tell me what is different between the time that you serve now and what you see uh, as people serve today? Since you've been a part of this for a very long time. Yeah, <laughs> I have been. <laughs> um, I think the biggest thing, I can only speak from a woman's standpoint, the right. military woman's standpoint, but mm-hmm. when I was in service, there were women over here and men over here. We mm-hmm. were totally separated in living quarters. We were totally separated in most everything, except when we were on off-duty and in a social setting. Right. Uh, the officers that were assigned, we had one full colonel, in the entire Air Force, and she was assigned to Washington, D.C. as the director of the WAF, the Women of the Air Force. Mm -hmm. These days, we were not worldwide, I might add that, as they are today. We had very limited overseas capabilities, mostly in Europe, in the Germany area. So as far as how you lived your daily life and how your assignments would happen, you were more likely at a location for two, three, four years rather than the quick turnarounds that we see today. Right. And also, I think the Air Force has become more of a business <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's so civilianized, really, mm-hmm. right. as far as missions are concerned. But the women, I think, now, I've had several discussions with other women veterans and gotten in trouble with a few of them because I personally don't think that women should be in combat zones. Okay. But that's my personal opinion. Right. I can see them being in a background area and, and as the old cliche is, releasing the men for the front, right. which is what was happening in World War II. But women today in the service are totally, is a totally different atmosphere than what we had. Mm. Women were not wanted to begin with when I was in service, even as late as the 1950s and 60s. It was uh, my first supervisor, in fact. I didn't get promoted. I came out directly out of basic into an assignment, and I, of course, didn't get any stripes that way. Right. So when my first strike came, I didn't get it, and I thought, why? I didn't do anything wrong. So when I asked the question of his supervisor, or of him, rather, he said, why should I give you a stripe? you're going to get married and get out anyway. Mm. And that was kind of the attitude <clears throat> at that time. I don't see that today as much. Right. I think they're accepted more as a military airman. So even even moving to combat zones and, and getting on the front lines, which, you know, that what wasn't around back when, right. when you were serving no active way. duty, but Mm-mm. 
just the fact that there's so much more afforded equal opportunity. Correct. And yes. so I, they've made some tremendous strides. Yes, we now have years. four-star generals. You never would have seen that in my day. Right. And some, I mean, I mean, some amazing leaders out there that, that were overlooked. That's correct. Yes. Um, so which brings me to my next question for you, because you served in a time when you had to fight through these barriers, um, and that's kind of one of the Air Force things is, you know, breaking barriers. You made chief master sergeant. That couldn't have been something that was um, afforded to, to many or common at all. So when did you make chief master sergeant, and, and what did it mean to you at that point in time to, to make such a high rank? Well, as far as when did I make it, I made it five years before I retired. Mm -hmm. So technically, I made it with 15 years in service. That's impressive. I was one of the first 10 women in the entire Air Force to achieve the rank of chief. Really? Because at that time, women were just not being promoted into these new higher echelons that had been established, the E-8s and E-9s that were started. Mm -hmm. We were just not being accepted. As far as what it meant to me personally, it meant that I had a better opportunity as to where I might be assigned, the kinds of responsibilities I would have. And also, it meant that I could tell the younger airmen, look, you can make it. Mm -hmm. Just hang in there. I learned very early in the military, and when I spoke to the, the school over here, I told them, don't wait for somebody else to manage your career. You have to manage it yourself. Right just in the sense of, like I said, the first promotion. If I had done what a lot of people did and sat back and said, oh, tear, 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 I didn't get promoted, I still probably would not have had that stripe, but I got it out of, out of sequence. Right. But it was because I stood up for my rights, and that's what I try to teach the younger airmen these days, that you cannot wait for your supervisor to manage your career. Mm, that's great. That's great advice. It was back then, and it, it still plays true today. Did you have any idea you were paving the way and you were kind of the warrior out in front of all this? I mean, did it did did it It really didn't all? it really didn't hit me until I was at Scott Air Force Base and the newspaper appeared in my office one day wanting to do a, a story because I was one of the first 10. And I said, "Holy cow, I never really thought about that." Mm -hmm. You know, it, it was just a promotion and I was happy and pleased and proud and whatever. But it never dawned on me in the sense of being a leader in the sense of, you know, other than the fact individually I told the ladies, you see, you can do it if you just work hard. Right. That's incredible. I think one of the things I love about you, about you and we've seen each other around a lot over the years, your grit <clears throat> is extremely noticeable. Like you just have that demeanor and that look of determination and when you talk to you, you know that you are that type of person that is going to pave the way no matter what. Um, so that's that's great. I could see, you know, I'm, I've I, had people you probably ask, were only one of the t the first ten because you maybe came in a couple years later. But I certainly could have seen <laughs> you being the very first one. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just to make it in fifteen years. I mean, even today, that's that's a, I mean, not you, a, not you blazed a trail yeah, for sure yeah, you were definitely doing the things you needed to well, do well again i would say part of that was because of where i was assigned but that was because of my talents right and i made sure people knew those talents <laughs> if, if you don't do that 
you're cutting your own throat. You just you're not helping yourself at all. Right. Not to get off topic, but and, and before we move on, because we we do want to get to the the volunteer part of the story. But your story to me is just fascinating in in itself. But did you have any mentors that helped you get through all this, men or women, back in the early days? I had a, a first sergeant one time, very early. I guess I had about three stripes on my sleeve at that time. And she wanted to counsel this one young lady. I was always assigned as a barrack sergeant, which we had in those days when it was all women. Right. And uh, I went into the room with the two of them, and I sat there fl- flipping through a magazine while she was talking to the girl. When she finished and the girl left, she read me the riot act in mm-hmm. the sense that you should be paying attention and you should care about this person, blah, 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 you know, the, the routine. Right. And it suddenly dawned on my feeble brain that I was not doing the things I should be doing. And God bless her, to this day she was my friend until she died. Wow. But, you know, she taught me many things in the sense of dealing with people, not only my superiors, but the people who worked for me mm-hmm. and how to approach those people. And it certainly has helped me over the years. And there have been a few others, but she was the start. Leadership in its purest form. Right. Um, so when you retired, uh, what year did you retire? 1977. Okay. And did you immediately look into becoming a volunteer, or did you take on another career? What, what did you do after that? Uh, when I retired, I went back to college, okay. finished my bachelor's degree, because I was TDY so much on my duties that I couldn't do a heck of a lot of that on active duty. And then I finished my master's degree, and then I worked for eight years. I ran the religious education program here at the Tinker Chapel, for one thing. And then one day I thought to myself, I've been working since I'm 14. I quit <laughs> for anybody paying me. You right. know? So I just decided I was going to do volunteer work from then on. My, my era of people tend to think in terms of helping out when they can. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the younger generation doesn't seem to have that same attitude. Right. But they, they may catch on. I mean, yeah, that, I'm hoping that. You know, that, uh, yeah. You're I, by seeing people working out in the, in the, in the uh, mission here, I'm hoping they'll get that message. We have a lot to learn, and, and I think I can say for sure that it, it doesn't go unnoticed and it doesn't go unappreciated for sure. Um, uh, yeah, I can for sure say that. So w- why did you decide to come back here to tinker in in more of the voluntary status other than just helping well after i moved here i just kind of went to the chapel and did some things there which Mm -hmm. i still do but then i started meeting some military members at various organization meetings that i'd go to and they mentioned the retiree program this was back in 1980 early 1985 when i first started working with them so i started out volunteering at the clinic pharmacy worked there for 19 years wow and the colonel who was in my position prior to me bless his little pointed head (laughs) when he decided to step down (laughs) he Mm. recommended me to the wing commander to replace him in this position really so that's how i ended up here as the director and did you accept that immediately uh, with a reservation, because <laughs> <laughs> although I had worked with him, mm-hmm. you know, closely with him for about five or six years after I left the pharmacy, um, I still, 
you know, I still wasn't sure I wanted the responsibility because it is it is a pretty large responsibility and takes a great deal of time. Right. And it is not a paid position. It's, right. It's a volunteer position. Absolutely incredible. So what does your job entail as the director of the, this position? Well, basically, we this office is established to assist any member of any branch of service, regardless of rank, if they're having any difficulties. What we try to do, basically, is get the people to the right person to help them solve their issue, whatever it happens to be. Mm-hmm. We try not to give personal guidance because, like with TRICARE and a few other items, everything changes every hour on the hour with the military. Right. So we try not to do that in the event we're giving them bad information. Mm-hmm. We try to get them to the right person. And basically, I try to provide a volunteer wherever the mission requires it. Right now, we have people working in the ID section, and we have people working at the pharmacy, and then, of course, here in my office. Right. So So we've got a little over 50 volunteers right now that I'm responsible for. That's amazing. And without being paid, you're just truly giving back. Well, they're a good group. (laughs) And I, I, I know... I know of some retirees in particular that give a lot of their time back through volunteering, obviously yourself included, but <clears throat> what drives you and what really motivated you from the beginning to dedicate so much of your active duty into serving retirees, and, and what are the key areas or the offices that the retirees can volunteer with? Is it just the pharmacy? and the? Right now, it's just the pharmacy. We've had a request from FSS to have someone at their desk area there. Mm-hmm. But as of this moment, I, everybody wants to work where they stay busy, busy. Right. Most of the volunteers, for instance, in this office, it's kind of a slow process because mm-hmm. we're waiting for the phone to ring or somebody to come in. That's pretty much what they do. Right. The other places, they're busy talking with people all the time, and that's generally what a volunteer wants. So it's hard to get people to work where they aren't constantly in touch with you know, other military people. Right. Um, we've done, that last year our group did over 8,000 hours of volunteer work supporting the 72nd mission. Wow. So we do our best. If they ask for a volunteer, I have the word out right now that we're looking for someone to work for FSS. Mm-hmm. But, again, it, I can't, I don't like to place someone someplace where they're not going to be feel like they're being used and right. being, you know, properly used during the day. 8,000 hours. I mean, that's just to think of even to a taxpayer how much money saved yeah. from them by you guys' hard work and efforts out here. Well, what they try to what we try to do is we try to be the upfront face so mm-hmm. that the GI who is trained to do the ID job, for instance, or the pharmacy job, so that he can be free, and that way the customer is more quickly served. Right. If, you know, if the, if the GI has to be out there being the nice guy and saying, well, I'm sorry, we can't do that, or this is what you need if you want this done, you know, mm-hmm. then that takes him away from helping the customer who has everything they're supposed to have with them. Which is all about serving. All about serving. serving. It's exactly. What... I mean, what keeps you coming back? What keeps you so motivated to keep doing this day after well, day? I love the military to begin with. Mm-hmm. I have always loved the military. 
And probably I would have stayed for 10 more years and put my feet up and done nothing as a chief, but <laughs> that's not my style. I don't work that way. I can't do that. Right. So I just decided to get out and do something more productive. And as long as I'm feeling that we are being helpful to the mission on Tinker, I will continue to do the job as long as the colonels want me here. That's amazing. I don't think you'll ever not hear it for <laughs> sure. You've, you, you may be here even far longer than you want to, or we may bring the, the base to you. Um, so do you get to hear any feedback about the hard work your retirees do? Yes. Uh, in fact, I have a meeting monthly at uh, the chapel, and any retiree is welcome to attend, but we have, we have the wing commander there, we have the group commander there, we have people from the BX and whatever, and they all come voluntarily to talk with us, to thank the, the people for being there. I try very hard to email and through cards and things that I send to the wives and whatever of the husbands who are working or the husbands who are the wives are working right. so that they know that we do appreciate the fact that they're willing to spend time with us. Basically speaking, they're asking. We're only asking for three hours a week, right. but many of them work many more hours than that, especially up in the pharmacy. Mm. And are those handwritten cards that I send? Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know where I was going with that? Yeah. I no. Just, no. I, it, I. It's just a personal note to the family to thank them for uh, you know for allowing the person to work with us. It's, it's because an, let's face it, they're interfering with family life. Right. You know? Well, and just the 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 personal touch between a handwritten note you know it's it's becoming kind of a more of a lost art as we move into the the technology age but uh personally i'm ready to go back to pen and pencil myself (laughs) well they certainly are more uh they they don't ever break down on you that's we also have a volunteer of the year right and at that time when i go out to the various organizations where we have volunteers and ask for inputs they are more than happy to provide two or three names from each of the locations so that my board can decide which is the best for that year. Right. And it's a matter of, you know, I try to go to the, to the pharmacy periodically to, to say thank you for being here. And whenever I pick up medications, I always thank them for being there. Right. Just, you know, just a little pat on the back. And I try to encourage anybody on the base. I have an, an article in the base paper monthly. Mm-hmm. I try to encourage them when they go to the ID section or the pharmacy, please thank those people for being there because they are helping them. Well, and, and you are very big about thanking and, and recognizing because even in some of you and I's dealings in, in like um, the Air Base Wing staff meetings, you know, you have said in front of everybody, thank you to the Tinker Takeoff for mm-hmm. the article that you guys did about the retiree of the year or about the, the program itself. So you, you're always for sure recognizing Well, I appreciate that, any of that. I really do. Yeah. I really do. So how do we as current civil service employees and active duty members recognize and give back for the efforts of the retired volunteers? How, how can we pay those respects? The best way, really, is to let them know on a daily basis that you appreciate them being there. Mm -hmm. Because the average retiree isn't looking for thanks. They're there because they want to serve. But let me tell you, there's nothing like a pat on the back and a thank you. Right. That is such a common thread about just everybody out here on this base that continues, even if you're, you know, a civil service employee who mm-hmm. happened to have 
have served on active duty or not or retired right. or not but there's just that common thread amongst everybody it's just, it's just such a wonderful community uh, it's it's great well to you be mentioned the staff meeting that's one of the reasons that i have the volunteer of the year award presented at the staff meeting right because i want the staff to understand that we are supporting your mission dang it mm -hmm. <laughs> pay attention to the guys that are there and the retirees who work in your offices right and i could tell you they're critical i mean they are very critical our office used to be right down the hall from the id card office and you know, the first face I saw every morning was that friendly, smiling guy who mm. was a, a retiree that Volunteer. was volunteering. Mm. Um, and he always had a smile, always <laughs> happy to see me or anybody else that walked in, even though that could be a pretty stressful desk it at can times, be. especially yes. when we undergo, you know, different computer systems that make your ID cards go crazy or out mm -hmm. of whack or stop working. Right. Um, so... We do have Retiree Appreciation Day coming up on Saturday, November 2nd. Can you give us just a little bit more information about what that is and, and maybe even if you know why it was even started? Uh, once each year, we started it back, they started it actually back in 1983 when the organization first started. Mm -hmm. And in those days, we did mail-outs. We did over 36,000 mail-outs personally, you know, sorting addresses and whatever and <laughs> going through all that happy nonsense and we had four to six hundred to one year we had 700 people attend right and the reason that it was started was because we wanted again the retiree to understand that he is still a part of the military i've often heard colonels and whoever on this base saying well you know everything here is established for the act of duty I don't think there's a retiree walking on two feet who doesn't understand that. Mm -hmm. All of the functions, everything on the base is established for the active duty member. However, you are still a member of the military. The regulations even require that you can, if you have a, a volunteer, I mean a civilian working for you, you don't have to call him by rank, but at least tell him who he is and that you appreciate the fact that he continues to work for the government. All right. And also, when we meet, when I have any of my retirees that I encounter, I can call them by rank, and that's required by regulation. Mm -hmm. As long as they are not working in a civilian position. If they're working in a civilian position, then that's not required. Right. But retiree day is there to thank them and to explain to them how they still fit into the military picture, even the average guy who doesn't volunteer. Right. And there are a lot more who come to Retiree Day than we have in our retiree program. That's awesome. Well, we certainly are thankful for everything they continue to give back to all of us. And, uh, ma'am, I, th I think that would be a good place to kind of wrap up. But I, I know your spunk and your grit is inspiring. Uh, it's always inspired me, and I think you're, <coughs> you've really paved the way and continue to pave the way. Um, you're you're legendary around the base, and we definitely appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your day to sit down and, and cover this important subject that maybe we just don't talk about quite enough. I'm very proud of our retiree program and of our people, and so I'm happy to do it. And it shows. Awesome. So thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Uh, please make sure to subscribe and download our podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Divids. Uh, you'll be able to find the links in the show notes. Also, don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us at Tinker Air Force Base. And on Twitter, you can find us at Team underscore Tinker. 
And uh, please let us know what you think about the podcast or give us some suggestions on what you'd like to hear in the future. So until next time, uh, you guys all have a great week and a, and a great month. See you soon.